Hello and welcome to episode 181 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is the American actress and writer Danielle Deadweiler. We get to sit down and talk all about the amazing roles that she's been in, like the TV series Watchmen, the amazing film from last year and still one of the best films I've seen for a long time, The Harder They Fall, and her most recent film, the amazing horror, The Devil to Pay, which is out now on all the streaming platforms and honestly is incredible. That interview is coming up in just a few moments' time. But as always, I like to use the intro of every episode to touch base and talk about the previous episode. Only a few days ago, I released episode 180. This was with Philidia Lloyd, and we got to talk all about Mamma Mia, The Iron Lady, and what it's like to direct some of the world's biggest actresses. An amazing interview, and as always, thanks so much to everyone that tuned in and the amazing feedback that I've been through. It was so good to have her on, and I can't wait to get her back on in the near future. But let's get back to today's episode. Danielle Deadweiler, an amazing actress, so full of energy, so full of life, and an amazing interview. So I think the best thing to do is to get straight to it. So here's me and Danielle talking all things film. So Danielle, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thank you for having me, my goodness. <laughs> what I'd like to do today is for the listeners out there is to get an idea of what made you want to become an actor. Um, so let's take it back to the start. Can you remember those early films you watched or what it was that influenced you that made you think that is what I want to do? Mark, I have no idea what those are. Oh my God. No, I, I will say this. I've been performing since I was four years old. My mother says she saw me dancing in front of the TV, like watching Soul Train or something. And so dance is my first medium and she immediately put me into it. And that was a natural segue into theater, which was a, a, a segue into um, performance art and, and, and just navigating the whole spectrum of what it means to be someone who is creative. And I tried to get away from it, um, not thinking that that was something that I would literally do uh, as, a, as a practice as a, an adult, because I thought I was like, oh, I'm going to go in the academic world and, 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 and be a professor. But certain things didn't work out. I didn't get into this one program and I thought it was the end of the world. And then I taught two years elementary school, fourth and fifth grade. And that was the, oh, I know, I remember doing something that gave me a, a, an insane energy. Oh yes, I must get back to that. And that was the segue back to doing theater professionally, living in that for several years. And then by that time, there was this swelling of film and television that was happening in Atlanta. And I lived in Vancouver for a short while and that's where my son was born and things started to proliferate after that, right? Um, but doing theater and getting a few roles here and there. And that was the start of the film and TV career. But I know I loved, I mean, I loved watching The Wiz um, with Diana Ross. I mean, that's that was just like everything. It was dance. It was it was it had that theater field. I, if I remember correctly, I do think some people from theater, black theater at the time, were a part of that production design and 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 just you know professional dancers coming out of the freaking like shells and whatnot and Diana doing her thing and you know Michael doing his thing and you know, everybody. It's it's the epitome of ensemble kind of work, um, which is cool to me. And then I love Lord of the Rings, the first one. 
Like I watched it when I first got the DVD, I watched it several times specifically for Andy Serkis um, playing Gollum. It's it's something about physicality and vocal uh, uh, flexibility that he embodies, which is just fucking insane. So, you know, those are the things that are, that really push um, me. Oh, oh, chorus, a chorus line. I remember watching that um in the periphery like my, my older sister would watch certain things and I, I know that I, I should not have been singing tits and ass as a kid but whatever. <laughs> I started out doing tv and shorts and stuff but one of the first things that I really saw and took note in was Watchmen and that was one of my favorite films ever but to see the tv mm-hmm. adaptation be so successful and do so well what was it like to work on such a large production with such a big budget and just such an amazing cast and just production crew you know what, you're not, I'm never thinking of the hugeness of it because yeah. it's not, it's it's about the intimacy of the story. It's about who you are and what you're bringing specifically for um, the relationship of characters to, to that. And it's, 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 it's always family building for me. Um, it's, it's community care. Uh, we are diving into this thing together. I remember Jovan and I sat down to navigate the timeline of the experience of our roles. Um, and, and that was really lovely, like to do that deep American history dive and to do that, you know, rigorous, um, relationship cultivation. That's, that's that's the real part, right? And then we're coming together and everybody's synthesizing in their own way. That that is it it takes away the enormity of yeah. it and shrinks it down to the true intimacy. And then when you're on set, there's that, you know, intimacy because they're caring for you and you're caring for your role and you're you're caring for each other, right? Like it's um it's big, but it's it's very, very small at the same time. And you're obviously involved in The Harder They Fall, which I saw make most people's top five lists of last year for film. I think mm. in 10, 20 years time, we're going to look back at this film and it'll be like a cult classic. I think it's so mm. underrated, even though everyone- That's James Samuel. He said it was a, he, <laughs> he said it was a classic. He said he was making a classic and look here. <laughs> it's incredible. And um, it must be an amazing opportunity to be involved in that and just, just the- the reception it got. I, I've not met anyone that doesn't like that film. It's literally the film that everyone talked about last year. And that must be amazing to be part of something like that. That's dope. I'm, I, you never know what you're doing, right? Like, that's not true. Sometimes you do. I don't, you don't want to predict, right? Cause you can't, but um, it, it's, I know what it was to make it. I know what it was to be in the trenches every day and to have, um, uh, a parallel energy of, of rigor and discipline and, and, and focus. Yeah. I know what it means to have built that camaraderie, riding those horses every day and, and shooting those, uh, those guns and learning with, you know, with, with the gang every day. Um, and I know what it means everybody to come wanting to make something that is rich and something that is, um, is bringing a different history, a different understanding of history, uh, one that was muted, right, to, to the fold. Uh, and, and it's always important to bring the margin to the center. And that's what, that's, that's what this story does. And it does it in a really rich, entertaining way. 
And currently, obviously, um, at the moment, you're promoting your brand new film, The Devil to Pay. And boom, yeah. (laughs) This film, I've been lucky enough to see it. And, you know, people are saying it compares to like Midsummer, which is one of the best horrors over the last five years, Mm -hmm. one of the cult classics, Wrong Turn and stuff. Now, this was quite different to your previous work. What was it like getting into the mindset of this kind of revenge, this horror, this thriller that really is trying to get under your skin and make you feel what you're going through in every scene that we see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ruckus and Lane came to me um, and told me that this is the story that they wanted to tell and they wanted to snatch me off into the mountains for four weeks. It's a very uh, isolating experience um, um, because just the way I practice and the way I move, it, it, at the core, it's, it's survival. Yeah. At the core, it's um, protection. Uh, a maternal protection. Um, I know those things. I know what that means. I know what that means as a black woman in America. I know what that means as a mother to a child. Uh, obviously, you know, Ezra um, is my real son and played coy. And so that, that, you know, just ramping that up to the umpteenth notch and understanding that wanting to communicate that danger, which is a real danger in, 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 in our society, and, and just translating that to Appalachia. That's, um, it's, it's, it's nerve wracking, right? Cause it's a different, it's a different environmental dynamic. Uh, it's a concentrated terrorism on a, on a family. Um, but, but, but she is a, in the ultimate fighter, right? Yeah. And the ultimate person who is uh, underplayed and you can, and that's fine. You can always, you can underplay, but you will get reckoned with (laughs) and because it was so different and it was probably much of a mental challenge for you were you prepared like to do different ways about going about this part or taking on this role were you watching different films that you might have not seen before were you reading scripts of different stories of previous horror works or were you just going in this and taking it like any other job but adapting your persona to it you know every job is different but I don't, I wasn't doing a, compa- a cinematic comparative analysis. That's not the, that's not the effort. Um, it's too isolating in order to, to do that kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, no, I just, I just, I just dove in with, with, with what I knew. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Georgia born um, human being. Um, I traveled to the mountains often. Uh, I look, I do also, I do specifically do historical research uh, on, on, on any character, on yeah. any uh, environment, but I rolled with that mostly. And you said having your son on set, that must've been incredible. It's weird, first of <laughs> all, cause <laughs> you know, I, I, make a, I make it a point to, to separate life, right? Uh, it's also weird because like you want, he ain't, he's not done anything yet. Ruckus and Lane were like, "Does Ezra want to do it?" And we're like, "He was like, no, no." And 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 I want him to be a kid, and I want him to have fun, and I don't want him to like be caught up in, you know, stuff that just happens with regard to film and TV. But then he came back and was like, "Ah!" They came back and they asked him to audition again, or just to just to play again. And he said, "Okay, I'll do it." And he did it and he was having fun. And then he did it again and he was having fun. Let's do the scene again. You know, like it was a marvel to witness him like settle into it. I don't know if it was just me or if he truly appreciated, you know, or found something in Koi different 
that he had and you know only a couple of other auditions that he had done but it, it is it was beautiful to watch him be so buoyant on camera yeah. and so full of who he you know of, of the role because he's he's much more chatty than coy especially to me right i'm his mom so to see him sit in front of a red a camera a red and and be comfortable and to be full and to be you know full of have that energy on camera it was it was like man you're fucking good because i wouldn't have done that like i know i was not that way at eight and nine <laughs> but you know that's 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 cool that's progress that's good for him and, and has he like has he now got this taste for it and he's like mom i want to go and be in the next spider-man i want to do this <laughs> <laughs> he is obsessed with marvel i tell you that i don't know i don't know if he wants to to, to act for real for real he's done theater and he's performed like um, mu- uh, musically and whatnot, but I'm, I'm letting him play. He's just experimenting. He's a kid. I'm gonna let him be himself. It's an incredible proud mom moment though, to be on set and see your son and see him shine and do so well. You must be like, I want to walk over and give him a hug and say, that's incredible. But I also need to stay in character and know that I've got my next scene. That, you know what, you know what's going on. Cause it's, it's difficult enough to just be trying to do your role, to have a producerial capacity is a whole nother thing. And then to be like this parent, right? Yeah. Those are, it's multitudes of labor that are happening. That's why it had like this, uh, do I really want to do that? But um, he, 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 was, he was attentive. It doesn't hurt to be given things over and over again, to have the plethora of snacks, <laughs> you know, but he, he took it, he took it great in stride. And I, 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 it's something I cherish. I do. And a lot of people that listen to the podcast are up and coming actors or wanting to get into film school or just will love the opportunity to get out there and be seen. Mm-hmm. What advice do you give to the people that are listening today that want to be like you, become an actor, be in oh. TV, be in film? What advice would you say that really they can hold close to them that will get them seen or at least try and make a name for themselves in an industry that is so difficult to break through in? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's important for them to figure out themselves. Yeah. I think that's yeah. been the thing that has aided me most. Uh, and it's not been an intention to, to, to be seen. I think the, the more significant word is to share because to share means to to share in in any environment in any place and when i came to uh to that understanding then the work became richer it, it's important to constantly be learning to constantly to know that you can learn and unlearn from all kinds of places from yeah. from community from dialogue and, and conversation with strangers to to those most intimate with us to the rigor of academic books to the rigor of novels and 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 literature and and poetry and and experimental work and and nature and like it's really just to to learn and share and be shared with uh, um, the totality of human experience. I know that's like, probably like, what the fuck are you talking about? But that's, that's the truth of it. That's the truth of, of being. And that's what, what, that's what people should be. That's what I think people should be doing in, in, in any kind of like art form. And so that's, that's the richest thing. And then all of the other stuff will come along later. And what's next for you? What's the future looking like? Have you already got some oh that you're not allowed to talk about, but you could give an exclusive or <laughs> is there things happening that are 
you know i don't know i don't know i you know i i do performance art and visual art and so i'm like developing stuff in that regard i'm making some experimental films with my long-term crew uh um i'm just i'm just playing and taking time and being a mother i think it's in, and, and being myself navigating what it means to be myself in this time we are still living in a fucking pandemic yeah right like it's it's still this super super uh radical time to invent and to reinvent who we are and I think I'm just there and I'm not pushing what does it mean to labor I don't think we'll ever get that opportunity to take a step back as much as the pandemic is awful exactly it's awful I've never found a time where I've been able to reflect on my life my actions what I've done in the past and what I want to do in the future right now I feel like I've got more headspace than I've ever had I can go on walks I can go outside but also all the little things that I took for granted, I realized just how important they are now and how big they are. So it is a real good time, isn't it? To kind of reevaluate everything. It's so crazy. It's, it's fucked up that trauma has to shift us. Yeah. Right. And, and just to take it back to like, to devil to pay lemon is shifted because of a trauma because of loss of like her literal love because of the kidnapping of her child. And so, and then, you know, uh, this might be far too, too far of a reach. I mean, the pandemic is, is, has been a communal trauma for all of us, yeah. forcing us to reconsider what our lives are. There was a great resignation. There's a great res- re- racial reckoning. There is a, a ridiculous amount of climate issues that are happening. There is, you know, the, the gender labor dynamic is shifting. Like what the fudge is all of this, uh, this happening literally doing to us as individuals. And I think that we have to, um, re-implement this on a regular basis. We are not here to just do, do, do. We're to be and to figure it out day to day and to slow life down. And my final question for you today, I try and make the podcast as original as I can. So any guest that comes on the podcast gets to choose the outro piece of music that goes on. So after the interview's done, you can choose any song in the entire world that means the most to you. Now, when I put you on the spot, I understand it's hard because there's probably 50 songs, then they're down to 10. You know yours. Okay, no. I do. I do. It's um, I I want to play "Oh Happy Day." Oh, beautiful! I want "Oh Happy Day" to play. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a the specific. It's the Hawkins um family, I think. But yes, "Oh Happy Day," that like that visceral gospel quality one. Yes, that. I'm already thinking of Lauren Hill, the sister. No, don't play. Don't play that one. Play, play the original shit. Of course, I won't. Of course shit. I, won't. Yeah. But I was just thinking of the scene again from <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> that's and, fun. Uh, I love it. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to meet you, and I can't wait for people to see The Devil to Pay. It's going to be an incredible oh, experience for people, and I wish you all the best with your future. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been my pleasure too, for you as well. Thank you so much. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Danielle Deadweiler. An amazing, amazing person. So much life, so much energy, and so raw and so honest. And that's the best kind of guest that I can get on this podcast. So a massive thanks to Danielle for coming on the show and talking all about her brand new film, previous work, and as I said, The Devil to Pay is out right now and is incredible. It's one of those horrors that will stay with you for a while. It's brilliant and the acting performances across everyone in the film are amazing, so please go and check it out. If you're new to Mark and Me, welcome aboard. 
There's over 180 episodes available for you to go right back now and check out with interviews from all different people from all different walks of life. If you're a long-time listener, thanks for checking out this episode. And as always, anyone that listens, new or old, all I ask in return for these free episodes is to share it on your social media network. You can do this via Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and all the links for Mark and Me are on the Mark and Me website, which is simply markandme.com. Every share, every tweet, every Facebook share, it really makes a massive difference and can bring a whole new audience to Mark and Me. And that is priceless. It means so much. And each and every week I see more and more listeners doing this. So thanks so much for taking it on board and doing this. I can't thank you enough. If you really want to support the podcast, I do also have a Patreon account. This is a way of funding the podcast and allowing me to go out there and record more episodes for you guys at home. No money is actually made into profit on this podcast. It all goes directly into the production of the podcast, traveling and doing more and more episodes. And starting this month in February, I'll be releasing one episode every month exclusively just for my patrons. Not only that, the amazing guys at Richer Sounds who have jumped on board are going to be giving us every single month an incredible prize. Not only that, the amazing guys at Last Exit to Nowhere have come along and given me some t-shirts to give away each and every week to my amazing Patreons and Vice Press, my favourite company out there for all those amazing movie posters, has come along and as always give me some variants, artist proof and really rare artwork. This is exclusive to my Patreons and a way of saying thank you for supporting me. So please jump on the site and for as little as £1 a month, Honestly, you're getting at least eight episodes every month and now a bonus episode just for you guys at home. I want to say thanks for listening and I'll be back in the next 24 hours with a brand new episode for you all. So until then, take care of yourself and I'll speak to you all very soon. Happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day.
Oh, oh.